Warning, ProTri News is a podcast with different opinions, knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended or hurt by what is said, please stop listening and go listen to some uplifting meditation music or just go work out, then try again. Warning. Hello, welcome back to another episode of ProTri News. Sorry we had a little technical difficulty. Uh, I'm your host, Kyle Glass. Joined by Pat Lemieux. Hey, hey. Postponing your vacation so you could be here for the big show. I'm one day late to my vacation. I My original plan was to be on the road. So I dropped Gwen and Stanley at the airport at 830 this morning. And I was like, I'm going to just keep driving east at that point. And we scheduled the pod at 11. So I said, no, no, no. I'm doing this. I'm going back to my office. Going to make the pod happen. It's a big show. And I'm going to get on the road first thing tomorrow morning. So I've got a 16-hour drive in front of me on Wednesday morning. Brutal. What, are you, what, are you, what are you going for? Uh, we're doing a, a summer vacation back in the Midwest. So for, for those that are lucky enough to uh, have the ability to track my whereabouts via their iPhone, uh, stay tuned because tomorrow I'm going to be doing a big road trip on I-80. Nice. Uh, we're also joined by Talbot Cox, hot off his trip to Canada. In Edmonton? It was a fun one. It was a fun one. And Chelsea Burns, no longer with the Olympic champion. She sent her off to uh, go win another Commonwealth gold. Yep, she's gone. I'm still alive. Are you Are you house-sitting? No, I'm in Seattle. You see how tired I look right now, guys? Oh. What Just airport a- did you fly through? I flew. Okay, so I came back from Boulder on... Sunday night, went up to Canada and back yesterday, and now I'm just readjusting to America. Canada? What? Yeah. Quick trip. Did you go see your friend Joe Brown? Yeah, I had a few tasks. Recruit visit, Joe Brown, um, talk to Customs and Border Control to reacquire my five-year Nexus pass. They actually told me that they're really hard on trafficking chicken, so because of... Canada and the U.S. have different bird flus. Everyone should pay attention now. Do not bring chicken across the border. Or else what happens? You will not be allowed to bring chicken across the border. Chicken or chickens? Like, are we talking about, like, dead or alive? So, both. rest? It sounds like if it's canned, it's okay. All right. Anyways, I'll have to can you can eat canned chicken? Yeah. No, I don't. That's a thing? No one does. No one does. <laughs> Okay, chicken's a thing. Yeah. Uh, we also have Ruth Assel joining us. She's filling in for Mark Matthews. Mark, I think, is on a, uh, a little bit of a hiatus. Cat kind of dropped the hammer on him and said he's not allowed to speak and he's grounded for a couple weeks after the debacle with uh, Paula Finley. So, <laughs> yeah. Hello. Although I think everyone would quite like to see that TT. I'd quite like to see it. <laughs> I'm happier. I'm happier. Mark's, uh, Mark's not on the show and Ruth's on. Mark and I had a Twitter battle yesterday. Mark, when you listen to this, I still don't like you. We're not we're not friends right now. Send me a gift or some money, and then I'll be your friend again. Good, great. So Ruth's currently ranked 19th in the PTO, got fifth at Ironman World Champs in uh, St. George 2021. Actually, 2022, but 2021 World Champs. So um, Ruth, thank you for joining the show today. Um, I think it's important to mention that this show is brought to you by uh, Lever Running, Lever Movement. So um and ruth you actually have been running on one recently 
Yeah, uh, they, well, I think people that follow me know that I've been battling with a bit of an Achilles injury recently, just like some of the other best athletes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Lever were kind enough to send me one of their systems because I was looking at using it to get back running. So literally for the last week or so, been actually able to do some running, which has been nice. Um, but yeah, like so far, I've been really impressed. Like it's so easy to set up and um and just take different weights off. So yeah, like I've, I've just been using it to actually get a bit of running back in the legs because I think it's better from a running perspective than what I was doing before on like the underwater treadmill. Um, but I would, the one thing, if people are out there using it, any women who have tips on what you wear underneath to not get chafing, <laughs> the one thing I'm struggling with a bit, so. Anyone else out there who uses it, who can give me tips on that, that would be appreciated. But otherwise, I would, yeah, so far, recommend it. Sweet. Sounds great. Thanks, Ruth. Um, we can just dive right into the big Kyle, one. Kyle, where do I work? If I want to get a discount on the lever unit, where, oh, what do I got to do? I'm so glad you asked. The link in our bio, if you tap the lever movement link in our bio, it'll take you directly there and it'll give you the discount 20% off right away. Amazing. Okay. Thank you. Guys, we have a big, big, big show. (laughs) Lots to chat about. Lots Mm -hmm. to chat about. You want to kick it off with the women's race, Talbot? I mean, yeah. Uh, We'll just kick it off with the week. I mean, I think a a lot of people were excited. Everyone was just half the people didn't even know if they're going to stream the race. Half the people thought knew they're going to stream the race. Half the people were expecting better coverage than the Super Bowl. Half the people thought it was going to be an iPhone. So I don't know. It was just all around for the athletes. It was a fun week. It was very similar that a lot of these athletes don't really see because um, the short court athletes would understand. I mean, all the athletes were in the same hotel. So everyone was working out together. Everyone was around each other all day. It was a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of uh, excitement building up to the race. And then, uh, yeah, then they kicked off the women's race, and there was a massive uh, overgap. I would say the biggest overgap. Uh, well, explain used... what an, I don't know. What, I've never heard the word overgap. What? Sorry, they didn't even think to get officials onto the bike course, which I will. They they do. They did have officials out there. I think but, we call that oversight. Oversight. Sorry. I mean, I w- went to school in America. Um, they had some local age group officials that had never officiated a pro race before. Uh, pretty disappointing to see. Uh, I saw the officials out there. One of them was riding behind Sarah Corrali. The other one was riding behind. They're all at the back of the race, just like riding. And then, and then I'm like screaming at them. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, I, I, I don't, I don't think they've ever even officiated a, like a, a professional race before. So I don't can know. We, can Ruth, we back up? A give little, us, give us the rundown. Can we back up a little bit first and just say, understand that this is a a million dollar race. Uh, it's it's one we've been talking about since really November or December of last year, and I think the whole week had gone to plan. From what I'm told, everybody's bike showed up. 
the the service that the athletes received at the venue um, was was first class and everything was amazing. The the press, the the media, everything was great. And I think ultimately watching the race from home, the PTO was so focused on the show side of the event, they forgot that the field of play and to keep a race incredibly fair is especially when there's this much money on the line should have probably have been a higher priority than it was on Saturday for the women. Is that correct to say? Yeah, I, w- I would definitely say so. Mm-hmm. They, they, I mean, they definitely did do a lot of things right, but it's crazy how one bad thing can spoil everything. An- another cool little thing they had all week long too, which I don't know if world triathlon does this. They had a, a room with masseuse in it all day long and you could book an appointment anytime you want. I thought that was pretty cool. Do you really feel like everything is spoiled? Um, everyone always takes negatives out of like they all they only look at the negatives and they'll only talk about the negatives. So I think that they had a chance to change it with the men's race and they did. So I think that really helped, but I think it did really spoil or give a lot of people bad taste in their mouths. I think for something so basic and when they had made such a big thing about the twenty meter drafting rule, it's a really stupid thing to overlook um and like a really easy thing that they could have not happened and especially when you've got such a big broadcast going out over so much and basically all it was showing was that pack <laughs> drafting um like obviously they're going to get loads of comments about it but i think as you said like fair play they looked like they corrected it for the men's race so at least they reacted because i think that would have been a like a much bigger fail if they hadn't reacted and Anything for the men's race. Tell can you give us can you give us a communication breakdown of what do we know what happened? Obviously, when I was watching the race very early on, um, I mean I'll just I'll just say it. Like Nicola was she had a four meter draft zone that she was adhering to. Yeah, well if if sorry, sorry, sorry. My my question is where was the communication between like an outside person, whether it's, you know, even if it was Charles calling somebody or waving somebody down on the motorbike and say, say like, get to the front of the race and enforce, like, I just, I felt like it was like a slow motion train wreck that we had to watch for 80 kilometers and nobody could just get an official up there. Yeah. I mean, well, first, if you just rewind, we all walk into this pro meeting two days before the race and I do want to point out, Nicole Spierig was not there. She, because she has a family, she couldn't fly in that early and see. A lot of people thought it was missed flights. It's not true. She, she wasn't at the pro meeting. I would argue if you're going to race in a race, you need to be at the pro meeting. Um, Most on the ground, just, it's a lot, required. A lot of the time, you're not allowed to race if you. Yeah, it's required at Ironman races. Yeah. Yeah. Good argument, uh, Talbot. We okay. Have- also on the floor. In the pro meeting, they had a tape measure out on the floor, and it was 20 meters. They didn't even bring up one time the 20-meter draft rule in the pro in the pre-race pro meeting. It wasn't even brought up. So even if Nicole was, was there, I mean, who even knows? I, I, I would even be curious to ask Nicole, did you even know it was a 20-meter draft? Maybe she didn't even know that. So that's that. Um Getting out there on the bike, I saw that drafting. I mean, first off, the first lap of the of the bike, Lopez was like, I mean, 
three to four meters behind the moto. And then we finished the first lap and there's a little area because the moto is not allowed to go into the grandstand. And I pulled up next to the moto and I'm like, you cannot ride that. And I'm like yelling at the guy and the guy's like, we're shooting a TV show. And I'm like, these athletes are <laughs> the, the ones that are racing for money and you're, you're affecting the race. So then I pulled out my phone on WhatsApp and I have like a communication thing with all the PTO and I like probably I have screaming into it. Um, and they're like, we'll, we'll get the officials out there. And then we start that next lap and all the, literally there's two officials riding next to each other at the very back of the race. And then I have no idea where the other officials at, but they said there's three out there. And I'm just like, and I roll up to the official. I'm like, there's drafting all at the front. And she's like, and I'm like, no, don't give me a thumbs up. I'm saying, like, go up there and give out penalties. So, Pat, to answer your question, I don't think that they were able to communicate and address anything until that afternoon. And then poor Dylan McNeese, if you could have been there, every husband and their dog was just destroying Dylan. I mean, Philip was – Philip – uh Laura Phillips' husband, Philip Seep, was like in his face. Fennell Langridge, I mean, all these husbands. And I just felt bad for Dylan. I mean, Dylan's sitting over here like, guys, I'm trying to develop a device to help this. Like, do you think that I like want this? So, yeah, yeah. I just, it was clear that everybody was asleep at the wheel. I mean, it, it's so. Except Talbot, and and unfortunately, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to bear that. You shouldn't have to make those make those calls during the race. But like, it's very clear. Like, why not just wave somebody down when you're on the side of the road and say like, you need to go enforce this? And and um, ultimately, you know, I'll just I'm just gonna say it. Like, there's re- realistically, Nicola, Vittoria, and Ellie all needed penalties. I think. Uh, I I believe that the race, and I've said this many times, I don't believe that the race was, the win was not impacted by what happened on the field of play. Ashley was really ne- never, didn't, never earned a, a drafting penalty, in my opinion. And I think Paula would have been second no matter what happened. And they both had amazing races. Now the challenge is, is the minor placings between, we'll call it third and probably down to 30th were all impacted by the drafting. So that affects the, the individual result on the day and then the end of year bonuses. And I think that's, what's the worst part. And I think ultimately like, where do we go from here? And Ruth, I'd love to get your opinion. I still believe because no matter what, when drafting it's viewed by, uh, somebody that's making a decision on the fly and you never actually know did the athlete go to 19.1 or did they go to 20.2 and to not create too much penalty around that i think they need to give a one warning they needed to go to one yellow flag the second infraction is a minute and the third you're disqualified and I think that that's ultimately like where drafting in this sport needs to go to. Um, but Ruth, I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there is also, like it's really disappointing to see athletes doing it because they think they mm-hmm. can get away with it. And like Tolba, I do get your point that, you know, maybe Nicola and maybe Victoria weren't quite aware. But again, I'd argue like 
if you're racing a race, it's up to you to to know what the rules are and abide by them. Um, but again, like it happens quite a lot. People think they can get away with it. Although if you know that you're on camera, because they had a camera with them the whole time, why you think you can get away with it? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, like, I, I completely agree that, especially in races like this, where the prize money goes so deep and the difference between the prize money is, is big, like it's big prize money. Um, it's really important. Um, and from what I've heard from women that were more coming from the back, apparently the drafting was really bad back there as well. So even the officials at the back doesn't sound like they were doing anything. <laughs> oh, um, no, no, no. They, they, those two I saw were riding behind were Sarah right Corrali as she was sold. Right. <laughs> okay. So I don't know what they, so they were might watching. Maybe looking for a litter penalty or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. I think like I, I quite like, I do think, and part of the problem and why we need to get to a point where they can use race ranger, which I know that they are trying to trial at some point. Um, but obviously they didn't want to trial it at like their big champion race, which I also get, but um, hopefully they can trial it soon and then it can be kind of implemented because you obviously also then sometimes get the issue where you get overzealous uh, like referees that are then giving penalties at the wrong point of, you know, maybe people have come together on a corner or a hill. Um, it does sound like the guys that they then had on Sunday were much better. Like Al actually said, there was a point on the hill where him and Sam came together a bit and the moto was like, oh, you're getting a bit close. So they clearly were giving like more of a warning rather than we're going to jump in with a penalty straight away. But yeah, I think like in these kind of races where, as you said, it's not just the money for the race, it's then, especially where they're giving a weighting to the points, the impact it has on end of year bonus is also potentially massive. Um, yeah, and it like it just makes it hard, like as an athlete, the amount of conversations I've had with other athletes who either were there or weren't there. I've spoken to some people now who are a bit like, well, there's no point going to Dallas because it's just going to be a massive draft fest. So I'm not going to be able to do anything, you know, people that aren't coming out near the swim, uh, the front of the swim, like me. Um, if people are going to be drafting at the front, uh, there's no point in me really turning up like, because there's not much I can do to compete against that. Um, so, yeah, I think like, but Peter, I, the important thing is they showed that they're willing to try and do something. It's just I don't really understand why it was a problem in the first place because Again, they've had all the feedback of one of the big issues about Ironman is they won't implement the 20-metre draft rule. So if you're going to implement it, get some officials there to make sure it's enforced. I agree and, 100%. And, and that, that's something that Pat brought up that was like really when, – when they saw Lopez cut the course, you can right away say that is a penalty. When someone mounts after the dismount line or before, when someone litters – you visually see that right away. You can address a penalty. It is a very gray area. And so maybe instead of maybe the PTO can, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them how to spend their money. Although they have a lot, like put some money into race ranger because give someone your first, if you drafted more than 30 seconds on the day, then just automatically, sorry, you got a penalty. That's just like mm -hmm. what it is. And maybe that could really help out. Uh, I did talk to Dylan. They do plan to, maybe in September have it at the PTO race in Dallas. Um, but they are going to do beta testing in November and it should be ready for next year's, the entire race season, which is idea. really good. 
I have an idea. They should put lasers on the front and the back of people's bikes that go shoot out and then they drop down onto the ground so you can see a little laser or 20 But if you're going downhill, it extends it. Or if you're going uphill, it makes it shorter. Okay, so advanced lasers. <laughs> With gyroscopes <laughs> inside. Look, we I think we could we don't want to we don't want to bash gonna be, yeah. We let's Kyle walk us Cook through the race. <laughs> Let's talk about the race. Yeah. Let's talk two, about two, what, two more things. I want to say something. When Philip Philip Seep was at the exit of transition and Nicole Spear ran out and he screamed at her. And I thought this was crazy because I was like, holy cow, on the race field. Wow. But he did say, he said, you're setting a terrible example as an Olympic champion. And I was like, ouch, that would be tough to hear in a race. But I thought that was pretty wild. Um, but like you said, I don't think that it ultimately impacted the race as you saw Ellie and Ash were riding and every time they hit a hill, Lopez and Nicola would come past them on the road bikes and then they would on a flat sections and all the downs, which is a lot because a lot of it were just punchy hills. That's when the only time they would come back. Um, can, can I just offer an opinion on, um, what we got to put should, this to bed. We got to put people, this together. No, I want to just talk about what people should be thinking about when they're approaching hills. And this could be used in bike racing. This can be in triathlon. But it was driving me nuts on Saturday. Popul- uh, against pop- some popular or like beliefs are you should use hills as a definitive moment. So if you want to attack and make a decisive move, hills are a great place for that. But just because you can use a hill as an easy place to move up, it is typically a very terrible place to spend any sort of energy. And I think we saw that with Nicola on the bike where she, for some reason, because she was on a road bike, felt the need to ride faster than everybody on the hill. But ultimately, it cost her on the run. So think of hills as either one, an opportunity to sit and spin or two, an opportunity to create a decisive moment, but never just to move up because you can. And I see this in bike racing all the time. It sounds like just like we award first American, we should award dumbest racer. And it's pretty unanimous that that needs to be Nicola. Are we, is that I don't know. Uh, I would almost say Lopez as well. I mean, she did cut the swim buoy. So she got okay. a penalty for that, and she drafted just as much as uh, Nicola, and even got the moto as well. So, but she did place higher, so she um, wasn't a little, you know. We're gonna chalk yeah. this up as uh, the drafting. It's a combination of officials and lack of integrity by the athletes. So it's your responsibility yeah. to know the rules. Know the rules. The rules have been the rules for years and years and years. Figure it out. And and I and and as we chat more about the race, I would say the biggest loser from this was Laura Phillip, who probably suffered the most. But then again, I don't know what kind of race Chelsea Sodaro had. Chelsea's uh, usually a pretty honest racer, and by herself, a majority of the time on the bike, I have no, I I didn't see her much out there on the course. So she could have very easily not drafted at all and just had an incredible run and passed Laura at the end. So. Um, I don't, like you said, I don't think it ultimately impacted the front of the race. But on both days, I will say the motorbike um, on Alistair and Sam's and Flora, not Flora, Paula and Luis or uh, Lopez, it was in front of them at a little bit of the times, 
Um, but I mean, it's that's when you have to wait. Like, do you want coverage or do you not want coverage? So I still Wait. think, though, zero of these motorbike drivers were briefed about the race. Zero of them knew anything about drafting because I went individually asked them all. So how are we not briefing moto drivers ahead of these races? Like that, that guy doesn't know that. He doesn't know that someone's getting a bike draft behind them. It's not his fault if he's not educated on it. So PTO has to educate the drivers. Like, should they not also be getting briefed generally from like a safety perspective? Like at bike races, the motos have like serious, like a they're all trained and they have yeah. like briefing. Yeah. Like, I you, just you assumed have, that was the same. Yeah, you have if you're gonna if you're going to drive uh, in in cycling, if you're going to drive a vehicle or a motorcycle, uh, you have to have a certificate uh, of competency. Wow, we're, so, I think we need to, you know, give more recognition to some really good races by people like Gentle uh, and Paula. There were some great ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So first place overall, Ashley Gentle. Uh, I'm Talbot wanted to introduce a new segment to our podcast, which is Eat My Words. So I will uh, be the first to adopt the Eat My Words um, after I mentioned that Ashley Gentle was not hadn't given us what we'd we'd like to see the last couple races, and she proved that. Um, taking first overall and winning 100 Gs. So hats off to Ash Gentle for winning the race um, and in dominating fashion. Second place, Paula Finley. And third place, Chelsea Sodaro. That battle for third was incredible. Um, Laura Phillip was, had an incredible bike. Um, and then just Chelsea had an incredible run and was able to chase her down. So, And um, Paula showed Mark Matthews that she's actually really good at bike riding. Extremely Laura Phillip had an incredible bike, but Paula Finley had the fastest bike on the day by two and almost three minutes. So hats off to her. Um, she was only eight seconds faster than Laura. Fast, fast Laura Phillip. Yeah, I Not was three like, minutes. three minutes. Oh, Where did three you minutes. get that out? <laughs> oh, sorry. I was looking at Chelsea and Paula. My bad. My bad. I was uh, like, wow. I think Chelsea wants to throw something in our face, maybe, about the women top three. Okay. Thank you, Kyle. I'm here on the podcast on a very unique day. Both podiums, I would say, were about 100% short course athletes, guys. Maybe that's because they allowed drafting. But anyways. Uh, well, don't no, you, don't I would say it's because this distance massively favors the short course athletes. This distance <laughs> massively favors. Hugely. Is... And the swim was definitely longer than 2K. Like, that was a long 2K I swim. Mean, I, 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 I'm sorry, Lionel, if you ever listen to this, I, I see it unless there's not a short court, top level short course athlete there. I don't know if Sanders, someone like Sanders would, would ever hit a podium. Agreed. I mean, this is completely in favor of short course athletes, which is fine. I mean, if the PTO wants to make it in favor of all short course athletes, that that's the distance they pick and the courses they build, then that's just the level of racing that they're going to choose to do. Pat? Ruth, is there... Given like, I don't think it's inappropriate for me to say that like you're not as dominant in the swim as you are the bike in the run. <laughs> Is there? Do you think shaving the swim down to like a fifteen hundred and then adding that five hundred to the run? Do we start to see it level out, or where do you think? Because here's a cool thing: the PTO can adjust these distances if 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 they ultimately they, they want to see the best race as possible. 
is it enough to say, okay, we're going to clip 500 from the swim and add that to the run? Is that, do you think we see a, a leveling out there? What, what adjustments would you make? I think, um, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one because in some ways, like the longer swim helps make more groups. So in some ways you should be having like slightly less massive packs um which i think when we get to somewhere like dallas where it's really flat i think you almost need that biggest like the longer swim otherwise like you're just going to have one huge you know you'll have like the real top group and then one massive group which is then also not that fun um but i think like for me i think it's a real shame that the bike and the run are shorter um because i think it's that combination so like, i don't necessarily you know i think I think this, like, whilst this does favour, and it, it depends on the courses, right? I think with this kind of course, yes, it like it favours the short course athletes. But actually, I think if you look at some of the people doing well, they are also like the best middle distance as well. Um, so I think actually, if you're the best triathlete, you're still going to do really well at this. Um, potentially not if like your only long course. But I think most of the people that are doing the best overall are really good at both now anyway. Um, but yeah, I like for people like me, like I'm never going to excel at this distance. I think like if the PTO could make it a slightly longer bike and run, could make it more interesting, but I'm not, I'm not sure it would necessarily. I mean, it, you, you look at this, like, first off, we're missing three key athletes at this middle distance that would have annihilated this course as well. Vincent Louis, Martin Van Reel, and Yella Geens. That would have just, they would have all been at the front with Allie and Sam and more than likely biked them. I don't no, know if, if Yella Geens would have. Have they the women's race, Lucy? proved themselves consistently Probably, yeah. that much? Uh, I'm, not, Martin I'm Van, not sure with it, like, yeah. Martin, Martin Van Real, yes. I would say, Martin, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Vincent, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But I just think that, that like, just like what uh, Ruth said. And then I said the same thing to Lionel. I was like, Lionel, but he was so depleted after his race. And I'm like, but you you need every second for you counts. You need that additional 40 seconds on the swim that you, what, that you lost in this race. You need that additional whatever K on the bike to hunt them down a little bit more. And you need that extra 3K on the run. To run through i mean lionel was right there and he looked at me and he was like it's 100k it's this is the race distance you got to adapt yeah. to the race distance so that doesn't matter he needs and so i think yeah <laughs> i think for me where like the thing that will be a shame though is the 200k distance like i kind of i kind of i like because i think for me the 200k like you're not really making it that much more exciting by cutting it down a bit whereas like 100k i can see that's like a bit more of a acceptable time to be watching a race and having laps and doing that whereas like the 200k cutting that 6k off the marathon and the like 20k off the bike like that's massive that will have a much bigger impact um and that will i think make it hard again potentially make it harder but i guess it makes it easier for people like lucy charles who are racing off the front but again when she's at her best she's so great anyway probably doesn't make a massive difference but it'd be interesting to see how someone like Daniela who again puts so much time in on the bike that extra 20k she might mm -hmm. miss that a little bit um so that's like yeah. for me I'm, I'm more concerned about like the long distance race as opposed to this because like halves for me are like 
not my best anyway with the swim. I, I want to make sure we spend enough. I want to make sure we spend enough time on the women's results here. Um, I think it was just reflecting on Ashley's performance. I mean, she started the year with a bang in Miami, and then like probably struggled a little bit in Oceanside, and then Kyle. Did she? She won Andorra easily, but that obviously the the quality of field wasn't there. We'd argue, right? She got yeah, and then she got. Yeah, fourth at Oceanside, fifth at the Challenge Championship in Samarin, second at European Champs in Elsinore. Yeah. Um, and so after those two races, I mean, I personally was a little skeptical. There's one one thing that really does bother me, Emma Pallant-Brown uh, getting a flat tire. But did the PTO, did they have like a pit or anything like that that she could have used to yeah. get back in the race? Uh... She they they do have a, a vehicle and the vehicle passed her because once she got the flat, uh, it got sealed. So she thought she aired it up. She pedaled a little bit, and then she got off her bike. She aired it up again. It didn't seal. She pedaled a little bit, and then she aired it up again. Used all of her CO two, pedaled a little bit, and it went back. So yeah, it's you want if you want sealant. I mean, that's the risk you take. Tubeless is that what the term is. That's brutal. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I would. I thought, argue, I thought though, the women's race. Think, go ahead. So I, gonna, I don't think she would have done as well as you guys all thought she would at this race with a non-wetsuit swim and a slightly longer swim, and she's not been swimming that well. Yeah. And I think the only reason she outrun Ashley in Elsinore is because Ashley spent the whole time in Elsinore on the front of that bike group as well. So. Yeah. And like you could, obviously she raced that race really cleverly but i think she would have had too much time to make up um so like may she might have just about been able to run like be with chelsea and <clears throat> run her way up but i don't think she would have been in contention for the win and and ruth final final point for me on the women's side as a as a top 20 pto athlete do you like the idea of these lapped courses um, and the, the lapped running and, and the course layout? Did you, you know, did, for, on paper? And then once you saw it, did you think, okay, wow, like re- regardless of how you believe you would do on the course, did you like the idea of how these PTO races are set up just from? Yeah, I think in terms of how they're set up, um, although again, it kind of, makes it more disappointing that the coverage was not great because they're making it quite easy to make it a lot better than what it was. Um, again, I'm sure we can talk about coverage after we've talked about the men's race. <laughs> but I think like for me, I just, in terms of like best performances, like I had like Chelsea, I mean, she obviously had that great Ironman debut. I think to back it up with this, like she is definitely one to watch for Kona like that's two really great really strong solid all-round results um so yeah I thought that was like really good to see and it was nice to see that coming through uh and Pat you you mentioned lapped courses I think you can easily do loop courses but I think it was the technicality of this course is what made it that way so you can easily do straight flat and long courses that would help the longer course athletes a little bit more but i mean like so yeah are we ready to move on to the men's race <laughs> uh yeah hats off to paula i mean she had 
Her face is plastered all over the city. Lots of pressure. Everyone talking about her local papers. I mean, everything. Um, and she delivered. So stoked for her. Also, Chelsea, after having a baby, coming back and proving you can get back to the top of the level. Top of the sport is amazing as well. Um, so, yeah. Um, also, I want to give a shout out to Jeannie Metzler. Uh, returning back to racing is not easy, and um, we know she struggled this year. So, definitely impressive that she was able to get on the start list and um, finish the race. So, cheers to that. Men's race. Uh, men's race. Men's race. Before we start, I know that there was a lot of very emotional people from uh, Alistair to Lionel on being like, this cannot happen tomorrow. If it does, I mean, this will be the death of uh, PTO. And Lionel said a quote before the race. He said, it's very unfortunate that your result tomorrow can not not be depending on your effort, but depending on the referees. And I was like, ouch. Um, the PTO made changes. Uh, they got more officials out there and they actually were officiating. The first lap was a little iffy, but that's usually I, how it is. I want to, I want to be clear though. They didn't make changes. They did their job. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think Very the, the, they should, it at the bare minimum, it should always be that they ensure that there's a fair playing field. And yes. I think that that's, that's not something that should be uh, praised. That's something that should be expected. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And so I think but, it's, but, I think but it's, you could, you could, you can get excited that they're actually doing their job though from the day before. I think a I lot can of recognize, I can relieved. recognize that they made improvements. Yep. And, and, yeah. and I think that that's cool, but I don't, I think that that's that should be the bare minimum. We should expect that. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean we 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 saw everyone dive in, uh, super hot swim right out the gate. Uh, it's so funny talking to Christian before the race. I was like, "How much time will, do you think you're gonna? Do you think you're gonna swim at the front, guys, or will you? How much time do you think you'll be out of the water in front of Gustav?" And he was like, "Oh, I looked at everyone on the start list. Gustav will come out of the water with me." And I was like, "How do you know?" And he was like, "Well, there's not enough people in the mid pack. The fact that they're so that they can calculate a race that well is just like." insane um they let it out hot and then there was a lot that first pack was a little iffy on the first loop but that's when races develop and people split and people are just trying to hang on and then i would say it really split up and the athletes were very very fair yeah yeah and i think what you need to understand from the way that this course is given the technical nature and these downhills and the climbs is that there will be an accordion effect of sorts. So when you go around a dead turn, it's naturally going to bunch up a little bit. When there's a downhill and they're going 75k an hour, like you're gonna you're gonna catch a slipstream. And like those weren't the make or break races. And I think the first 20 kilometers was probably a little tight, but everyone's fresh. They want to they want to assert themselves into the race. And I don't. Again, I think that there could have been infractions that were handed out. However, I love the idea that Ruth, uh, it wasn't the idea, it was the fact that like the official gave a verbal to Alistair and Sam and was like, guys, like you're kind of at, you're, you're at the limit. Like, just remember that. And then they, and then they sorted it out. And then the remaining 60 K on the bike was as fair as we're ever going to get. So um, 
I think from the from the race standpoint, right? You had uh, Alistair and Sam that put a ton of pressure into into the front of the race, and then you slowly had uh, both Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden work their way through, and then ultimately, you know, Talbot, Kyle, and myself were just refreshing the athlete tracker to see where Lionel was, and you know, it, it seemed to take him a while. Uh, to chew through and ultimately you know he did Lionel Sanders did have the fastest bike split but the the gap that uh, I believe that Alistair and Sam were pushing the front of the race and I don't think that had we seen those two be off the front I don't think that Gustav and Christian would have let off the gas if that makes sense so even though that they were chasing I still felt that they would have been propelling the race forward anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah, but it's it's funny to see, though, like the technicality of the course, because I was behind Alistair and Sam at one point. We went on that big descent, and I think Alistair, I don't know what it is in kilometers an hour, but he nearly hit like 55, almost 60 miles an hour on a freaking bike, and I'm like, oh, my God. Same, same descent with Lionel, 48. So think about the gap that's opened up right there. You know what I mean? On an athlete that knows how to ride a technical course and an athlete that, I mean, has never, does not know how to. And so that, that shows you the variety of the skill it takes to ride a course like this, also hard at the front, also pace themselves and all that. So, yeah. And you can, uh, you can visually see if you followed Alistair through his career um, and particularly his long course career, you can see, that his current setup right now, he is very comfortable with, and he spent a lot of time on that. And and Ruth, I'm not asking you to give away trade secrets here, but it's it's clear that he's spending a lot of time uh, pushing that position. Uh, Kyle, is it is it okay if I just make some comments about the podium then? Yep, go ahead. Um, I've said it before on this podcast many times. Uh, anytime that Gustav Eden puts a number on, he's the most feared athlete in the race. Do you think I in think... Leeds as well? I... Sorry, keep going. <laughs> Chelsea is the one laughing the most. Man, this um, is going to be such a good soundbite. Okay, here's, here's a reality. Gustav Eden is the most feared athlete on the non-draft circuit. How about that, Chelsea? Um, Perfect. He... I will say that this was the most impressive race that I've ever seen him compete in. And he clearly was pushing the bike to a level that I did not believe that he was capable of before this race. I agree 100%. And so I think that he showed on Sunday um, that he's been honing his craft and he will continue to uh, be very, very dangerous in non-draft style racing. He he put the same bike split down that Freddie Funk did. And we look at Freddie Funk as almost the upper echelon of being arguably one of the strongest cyclists in triathlon. And Gustav goes to the front of that group and is looking around. He's like, are you guys coming with me or what? And so it was just tactically, it was a great race by Gustav. Uh, and also, also note Gustav lost all of his nutrition on the bike. Uh, talking with Gustav and Christian after the race, both of them are not happy with their races. They said they could have went a lot faster on the run. Um, 
depending on their training and stuff. Uh, Christian didn't get in enough intensity, and Gustav said he bonked super hard on the run and had a terrible back half of the run. So, I let's, let's amazing. Tell him, call it. Let's give it to uh, we. We all basically said on the podcast it was going to be between the two Norwegians, and everyone else was fighting for third. Aaron Royal lived up to that expectation and was able to come away with third place um, kind of against all odds. They said he'd been struggling with an Achilles injury. Pat, you're really close friends with him. Kind of yeah. You know, I, down. you know, I think we, when Aaron Royal got dropped from the front group um, and he lost, you know, what was 80 seconds quite quickly to Alistair Brownlee and Sam Laidlow, I thought, Ooh boy, like this, you know, now this, this happened around 40 K this isn't trending very well for Aaron. Like he just, he just lost a boatload of time. And when Gustav Eden and Christian Blumenfeld rode up to Aaron Royal, like I thought, okay, well, we'll see what happens. And then really the last 30 K he looked super comfortable in that group of what was, you know, five or six, uh, five or six guys racing for third and I thought, okay, well, this is this is fairly promising, and let's just let's see how he can hold it together on the run. And if you tracked his splits, you, you know he he was losing time, but against his peers and the guys that were coming up from outside the top ten, he was really running the same speed. So I think you know whether it's uh, looking at people that are phasing out of their short course career, like Ashley Gentles, completely moved on, and I think Aaron Royal will has is pretty much moving on. I don't think I'm giving away any secrets. He's, he's going to be exploring this distance a lot more. Um, I think that those are two names that we're going to continue speaking about much more frequently. Yeah. And I Another think that's name. where like these courses make it so much better because like when you have the hard courses, and I think you see it on both the men's and the women's and we saw it at 7.3 worlds, when it's a hard bike, you get loads of people that just massively overbike and then can't yeah. run. Because um, like, if you look at the run, like, it's interesting, Tolbert, you say that Gustav and Christian said that because I was looking at Gustav's run on Strava and I was like, oh, it's not actually as quick as I would think he could run, like, based on, mm-hmm. like, what they do in training, what he's done. Like, it was obviously a super impressive race and I was generally watching him, like, why do you make it look so effortless? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you wouldn't yeah. have known that he was struggling. Um, but like, it's interesting that you know, in these kind of harder races, if you've overbiked that little bit, it clearly really shows. Um, whereas I think Dallas will be very different because it's like flat and people can just kind of it's you know, it's obviously a bit easier to kind of sit in that group even if you're at twenty meters and not destroy your legs from going up and down so much. Um, mm-hmm. So I think like that will favor the weaker bikers more in Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we got. I got to ask the question. I got to ask the question. Ruth, what did Alistair say about T two? <laughs> uh, I've not actually even asked him about T two, um, but funnily enough, uh, one of my friends had a conversation with him. Was it, it might have been last year and he was about to go and race and he hadn't raced for a while and he was like oh like do you practice transitions because like Alistair knows my coach Will really well and this and he's the same coach for my friend and he had told him to practice his transitions 
and Al was like oh no I don't I just I just visualize them I don't bother practicing <laughs> and I think it was the week before oh no it must have been a couple of years because it was before he went and did one of his short course races and had a terrible transition <laughs> um so yeah we've not even talked about that I think um like it looked like he just didn't quite manage to get his leg I think he got his leg caught in the bottle at the back so he was obviously he trying to get quite managed to do it <laughs> Yeah, I don't didn't manage at all. I love how he just got off the bike and he was he like looks at the referee and he's like, uh yeah, I'll probably just go back and I'll just do yeah, this again back. and then we just won't think anything of it. It's fine. It's here, fine. Here's the here's the thing. I wanna I wanna I wanna give a shout out to Alistair's integrity on that because you could t- he he missed T2 for the so the people that haven't seen it, he didn't he didn't get both his feet off before the line. And then he went to go rack his bike, and you could tell he his brain switched on and he goes. I'm going to just turn around, run my bike back to T2 and then complete that lap. And I thought that that was like the fair, if I would have been the official at the time, I have no idea what the rule book says about that, whether it's a DQ, a penalty, I don't know. But I thought how like Alistair self-corrected that I just go in my head, I go, all right, it's fair. We can move on from it. Like he, he did right by that. But obviously I'm an, um, it's a mistake that you don't, you know, an athlete the caliber at his level, you don't see that happen all the time. But it was, uh, it, we were we were talking about it on our Pro Try News uh, text thread when it happened. All right. One yeah, last, I have my head thing. in my hands. <laughs> one last thing for the men's race. Who was your guys' most impressive MVP of the race? Aaron I, Royal. Aaron Royal. I, I'd, say, I'd say Sam laid low. I, yeah, I can agree. Third, fourth, fifth, and sixth are all guys that we haven't really talked about too much on the podcast. So Aaron Royal, Sam Laidlow, Freddie Funk, and Peter Heimrich. So I would give it to all those guys that we don't normally talk about because they're not normally at the front of these races, and they kind of exceeded some expectations and got some good points out of it. Look, I think – you know, Aaron Royal was given less than two weeks notice before he was told he was doing this race. Uh, and I think for him to show up and get a podium from that is, is like just an awesome way to really kind of, he's had a rough two or three years. And I think that this was a fantastic way to start it, like truly launch his middle distance career. So yeah, obviously Sam Laidlow really probably exceeded expectations. Talbot, one last piece on the men's race. The quad cramp with Christian was it just a like a Charlie horse that he like that he was able to like get rid of or do we know what happened there? Yeah, I was talking to him after and he said that he was born as a superhero and uh, when he was coming up on Alistair he said he hit Alistair with a cramp and then uh, he knew Christian was running good so uh, he hit him with the cramp and then he saw Sam Laidlow and was like ah <laughs> and got him too. It, so he just took them I mean, out it, one by one and uh he figured that he'd just run home with the win. It was the lucky hat, actually. It made it made for it made for great television that like five minute stretch, hey, where we were like everybody was just dropping like flies. <laughs> they see the hey, hell's going on. It could have been the hat. It, and I just looked at Gustav's results. He's only been beaten once at this distance, which was in Bahrain against Christian when Christian broke the world record then. Uh, and he didn't have his lucky hat then. You can say he's beaten Collins Cup, but it doesn't count because he wasn't racing Jan. He was in a completely not, different race. Not this distance. Different distance. Collins Cup? No, Bahrain. 70.3 Bahrain. 
Uh, I mean, I mean, like this middler distance. Middle so, distance. Middle K and seventy point three. He's unbeatable. Uh, he has. We haven't seen him being beat yet in a hot minute. So we're and at even going into the minutes. race. Kyle, episode title is Middler Distance World Champion. Middler Distance. Uh, when when don't worry, we we're only going to spend about twenty two seconds on Lake Placid. Uh, but back to the uh, back to this race, race real quick. Uh, yeah. PTO has awarded the points from this race. Disappointment. Disappoint, disappointment doesn't even begin to describe it. And unfortunately, before this episode, I've spent way too much time on the phone with Kyle and Talbot individually. And I, 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 I'm going to suggest that we have a separate episode to probably dissect what the hell is going on with the points and the pathway forward, because uh, it's driving me absolutely bonkers. We sh- the athletes should not cross the line on Sunday or Saturday and have to close their eyes and imagine what their points should be. Yeah, I mean, like, like the, pe- the the in Formula One, they know if you win the race, you get this amount of points. If you're in the top ten, you get all of these points. I have I have forty pages of UCI points right here. You know what race? If a bicycle team is going to a bike race, they know ahead of time the exact points that they're going to get for a KOM jersey, for a GC classification, for an individual stage. Um, the, the, the idea that we are letting a person in their office control the points is an idea that I can, I can no longer comprehend or agree with. But for, we should yeah. say this for another episode. Ruth? I have one point on it, and, but I would also quite like to be involved in your episode talking about it in more detail. Um, so there is uh, an athlete rankings committee that's been set up that I'm part of um, that is looking at trying to come up with a better solution. Uh, we are we have a couple of options that we're looking at. Um, one thing that I found very surprising is that there are a lot of athletes that like the idea of having a time element of it. I don't really agree with it, but at the moment we're looking at one solution that doesn't have time as an element and one that does, because at the moment in our committee, we're split between people that like time and people that don't. Um, so we are working on it. We had a conversation with Torsten last week, uh, and I basically asked him what the F was going on with Roth points. Because I think, to be honest, up to that point, I think most of the points this year have generally I mean, been fair. better and fair until Roth came along. Um, and people were getting more points than you got at the World Champs, which makes zero sense, and more points than you get at this race that is the top 40 in the world. So, um, yeah, so, like, it is being looked at. We are hoping to have something better that we can take to the PTO board and hopefully get signed off, but obviously that'll be for next year because we're not going to get anything put in place. But, like, I agree. Like, for me, it's like you should know what points are before you go to the race. To see even these points this weekend... To be fair, I wouldn't even have questioned them. I thought that they're pretty solid points. I think that this is good for this race. But what throws everything off is Roth. It is, I would love an explanation from the PTO and um, Thorson. And I think that the the athletes should go to the PTO and demand that they re-look at Roth and the points. It's not Magnus's fault, but it throws off everything. Like, 
And and the biggest mm-hmm. bummer about it is is I'm not hating on Thorson because he's done an incredible job all year long and has been very like, all right, yeah, these these seem legit. But he's from Germany and he's been very vocal that one of his favorite races ever is Roth. And I think it's complete BS that those athletes got that much many points. And I personally think the pro athletes should go to the PTO and demand that they relook at those points. A recall of the Roth points. <laughs> Um, <laughs> All right, we're going to do a quick preview. Ironman Lake Placid, the women's race, uh, Sarah True won, Cody Beals won, and they got Cody kind of qualified. I'm sorry. Tell me. Wake up, wake up, wake up. We got to be respectful. We got to be respectful. Sorry. Uh, Rachel Salinkas let out the swim, and then Sarah True kind of took over and never looked back. Uh, she was able to come away with the victory, first place for Sarah True. Got a Kona qualifying uh, slot, so she will be in Kona. It's pretty awesome to watch an athlete, like um, Talbot said earlier, uh, do life stuff and have a kid and take a break from the sport, come back, and um, when she's now won two races in a row, 70.3 Eagle Man and Ironman Lake Placid, regardless of who was there. So shout out to Sarah True for doing that. It's Heather Jackson, second place, and then third place, Jody Robertson, who got her clinical qualification as well. But not only that, Sarah has struggled in her last couple of Ironmans, if anyone remembers, uh, with from Frankfurt to Kona to, I believe, Montremblant as well. Uh, and she was able to run a very smooth, consistent race. So super excited to see her return and stoked to have her on the uh, start line in Kona. That is actually really exciting. With another cheerleader, her son. Men's race. Cody Beals passed Justin Metzler with about four miles left on the run. Um, Cody or Justin Metzler led about half the bike up until mile 22 of the run um, and just faltered, unfortunately. First place, though, Cody Beals got his Kona qualification. Uh, second place was Michael Weiss, who also got his Kona qualification. Third place, Pamphiel Perel. Probably said that completely wrong, but. There's your podium. We have now two races left to punch your Kona slots. Um, we have Ironman Ireland for the women, which is two slots on the 14th of August. Ironman Kalmar for the men, which is the 20th of August with two slots. And then Ironman Montreblanc, which has both a men's and a women's race, both with two slots on the 21st of August. I got to punch Justin Wise down. Sorry. Uh, I saw someone say, like, the man in the arena quote. Tim O'Donnell commented, man in the arena, like, you got to be in it to win it. I agree to a certain extent. Like, do you need a six-minute lead and need to keep running as hard as you can at the front with a six-minute lead, or should you take, like, back off and run a bit more conservative? I think that he could have salvaged a better one, but, I mean, that is Iron Man, and I don't have much room to talk because my PR is, like, 13 hours. So, <laughs> um but for in professional racing, I mean, that's where you figure it out. And that's why I believe Justin will, will continue to hone his craft. And uh, hopefully we see an incredible performance in Montremblant. And hopefully he gets that uh, podium. I do know Colin Chartier is going to race Montremblant and uh, attempt to get his Kona slot. So that'll be a pretty good little battle. Wow. Races coming up this weekend. Uh, the big one is the Commonwealth Games. There are... A lot of people racing this race. As you know, there's no points for the World Triathlon Series and no prize purse. So, racing strictly for glory. 
of the Commonwealth for the Queen. Some would even argue. Some would even argue that some athletes racing lost a hundred thousand dollars. Who Laura would Duffy. argue that? Oh. Me, Laura Duffy. She lost a hundred thousand this weekend in uh, Canada for going to Commonwealth. Oof! You rubbing that in the wound. There's one thing that I've never really been able to understand. What's how that, come the man? U.S. How come the USA is never allowed to race in the Commonwealth Games? We used to be in the Commonwealth. Ruth, can you answer that for him? <laughs> uh, well, you're not part of the Commonwealth anymore, are you? No, no, we're not. <laughs> so but half, of these, half of these countries aren't part of the Commonwealth anymore. They've all got their independence from England. Is it the fact that England is a little butthurt? The United States uh, had to go to war with them to get their independence. Okay, we're not turning this show okay, into anyways, American right. Good <laughs> God. Have you ever heard of the 4th of July there, buddy? Jeez. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Okay. So, so at the talk of games, you want to talk, you want to talk about the first Americans? The USA. Yeah. Yeah, something. that's true. First There's American a games. There's a relay going on, and it's actually kind of cool for the um, for the Brits because they usually race as, uh, I don't know, GB. But in Commonwealth Games, they race as Team England, Team Scotland, Team Wales. So you'll see people like Nan, who races for Wales, going against Beth Potter, who races for Scotland, against Georgia, who's on England. So it makes it a little more just wow. different. And then Bermuda will also have a mixed team relay. We don't see Flora get to do many relays. Pat. So the big problem here is is the broadcast, right? We're going to have to do some crazy VPN tricks to try and watch these races on BBC. Is it not on World Triathlon? Triathlon Live? I don't think so. Oof. Should we do a live um, commentary of it? Yeah, typically they don't have rights. I think... um, yeah, Mark's going to be there. Just get him to oh, stream yeah. it for you. Instagram Live. As we'll chief mechanic. Actually, <laughs> Instagram. He's going to be there. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, he's got his job as the mechanic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, another cool thing. We have African countries, Ghana, Kenya, Namibia, and Mozambique, and then the Caribbean nations of Bahamas, Barbados, Jamaica, Trinidad, and Tobago who are racing, who normally I wouldn't consider in – kind of some major games for triathlon. So that's cool for them. Um, well, who do you think the first another... like, Indian athlete's going to be? Uh, I would say looking at results. Kyle, it's a joke. Joseph O'Call. <laughs> we get another Hayden Wild and Alex G showdown, which is something that we've been enjoying all year long. Uh, the questions are, can Henry Schumann repeat his Commonwealth goal? No. No, 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 no. I don't, think, like, no. I, I don't think he was planning on considering he went to Canada. I think part of the reason he went to Canada is because he knew he probably wasn't going to repeat, so he might as well try and earn some money. Yeah. And then can Flora Duffy repeat her Commonwealth gold? I mean, last Damn, time we saw... Tough. Georgia's going to be um, a good race. I disagree with you, Chelsea. Last time I saw a member of the PTN show train with Flora, we all saw what she did in Tokyo. And I believe that Chelsea has been with Flora this last week or so in Boulder, and she sent her on her way to do what she does best. Okay, well, I've done all I can, Talbot. Pat, Flora, repeat. 
I would have, I mean, I'll never bet against Flora. I think what we're probably teed up to do is to see two great races between Hayden Wild and Alex Yee. And then we're going to see a big showdown, I believe, between uh, Georgia Taylor Brown and Flora Duffy. Yeah. Um, really? Yeah, I think it's going to be really close, but um, I'm going to back the Brits. I'm going for Georgia. Oh, wow. But I think it's going to be sprint finish. Well, of course I'll pick, I'm of course I'm going to pick Flora, but I think it is going to be a really good race. And I think she's going to have to work for it. So. And then Australia, they won the team relay last time in 2018. Do you, we see them repeating or? No. I think no England is going to be hard to beat. Yeah. Mm. Which yeah. England? Well, England, England, the actual England. England. Georgia, Sophie, and Alex. I thought you guys just said they all split up or something. Great Britain is the country. (laughs) Those three are all England. It's all the same to me. (laughs) All right. It's all the same to me. That's like like saying saying Canada are all the same. Yeah. No, no. Texas and Oklahoma. Jeez Louise. Do I get this to close guy. the show out this week, Kyle? We have another. We have two more races coming up this oh weekend. My. 70.3 Dresden, which has 102 pros on the start list. I can probably name about five of them. So massive start list. It's going to be on outside TV. Be sure to tune in. Uh, we also have the Alpe d'Huez triathlon. Not that many people. 26 pro, 23 pros. Um We'll see if Sam Long can lick his wounds from the, his trip to Europe and come home with a victory at an iconic race. We also have, since the points have been updated, these are going to be your Collins Cup rankings. We'll post those on our Instagram, and then we can talk about that and PTO points maybe next week. I mean, Do I we know when they're the announcing the Wild Um I'm sure they're going to do it in dramatic fashion over – 10 emails in the next couple months. But I, d- I did hear that International's coming in hot. They're going to think that uh, the rumors already got leaked that they're going to send an invite to Flora Duffy and Hayden Wild. So, whoa. whoa. Team Europe better whoa. be watching out. Team Europe better be watching whoa. out. I think that I would be willing to say, unfortunately, Team USA may be coming home with the broken spoke this year. Unfortunately. But they will be first Americans. Mm, I don't <laughs> even know about that. Yikes. Yikes. I don't even know about that. So, all um, right. Ruth, that's all we got take, for today. Would you, take, would you take an alternative slot? What's that? What's an alternative slot? Like that's like the that's the that's the backup. <laughs> um, I mean, the chances of me getting picked are zero, but um, it depends how much they were paying. I mean, Team USA last year like, were on their tenth or twelfth alternative, so. Yeah, but unfortunately, in Europe, we've got like ten people in the top twenty, so never going to happen. Are you going to be racing at the Long Course World Championship the next day in Samarin? No. No. Zero chance. Well, the next, time we'll see you, yeah. next time we'll see you is uh, in Dallas then. Uh, maybe Swansea. I'll, I'll be in Swansea either way because I was racing. Um, so Sweet. me and Matt Would, can are, do a joint Instagram live if I'm not racing. Do you, uh, do you plan to race Dallas? 
yeah. For as long as I'm still in the top, yeah, as long as I'm still top forty by the time they do the ridiculous Collins Cup points, which also shouldn't have points, but <laughs> but yeah, I plan on being in Dallas, hundred percent. For our followers that don't know um, who you are, tell them where they can follow you and engage with you on socials. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Rastel50. Uh, I've got a very great YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, but yeah, mainly Instagram and YouTube. It's obviously not as good as all of Talbot's stuff for Lionel, but hey, one day. Hey, Jack does good a great intro. job. It's about the content, not the art. Jack Schofield does a great job too. So yeah, He does do a great job. Yeah. We love your new intro. Talbot, do you want to sign us off in iconic fashion? I, I mean, I can do that this week. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. I, sorry. I, 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 could, I could keep talking about stuff from the Canadian Open. I mean, I could go on for another 30 minutes on the production. To... <laughs> let's not. Yeah, let's sign it Jeez. off. I'll Pat, go find another podcast to go on. Pat, go ahead. Okay. I think what, you know, I, I realized today and Ruth, we are absolutely going to have you back on because we want to do a dedicated PTO point break breakdown, probably give the landscape of where we are today, how we got there, and then how the system can be improved going forward. So that's an episode we absolutely want you back with. And, and she's on the athlete committee. So, and it, makes you're on the, so it, makes, it just makes total yeah. sense because I've got a, I've got a million ideas there. Um, we want Thorsten or Charles or Sam on with us too, because we're gonna. That's right. Yeah, that's gonna be a big one. Uh, the next thing I need a massive favor from the listeners. We Kyle edited the way Pro Try News was listed on Apple Podcasts. Please do me a favor and go leave a review of our podcast. I don't care, positive, neutral, negative. Uh, of course, we'd prefer a five-star rating, but if you could leave that on Apple Podcasts, that would hugely help us out. And then, uh, yep, part part three to my closing. I just want to say thank you to all the loyal listeners, and we've been getting so many uh, messages on Instagram. They're both you know positive, negative, but we're we look and we onboard them all, and and we talk about it internally on our on our text thread. So thank you to our loyal listeners in today's episode. Ruth, want to just thank you for coming on. Uh, it was 70 minutes, and, and I loved every minute of it. So thank you. It's been good.